Welcome to Buildings and Beyond. The podcast that explores how we can create a more sustainable built environment. By focusing on efficiency, accessibility, and health. I'm Rob Aldrich. And I'm Kelly Westby. Hey guys, Alex Mirabili here, Buildings and Beyond producer and editor. This episode is special for a few reasons. First and foremost, it marks our 50th Buildings and Beyond podcast episode. It also happens to fall on our 50-year anniversary as a firm, which admittedly was not planned, but still pretty cool nonetheless. We hope you've enjoyed the dialogue so far and look forward to 50 more episodes. Don't forget you can share your ideas for topics and guests by emailing us at podcast at The other reason why this episode is special is because it is intended for aspiring professionals who may be pursuing or considering a career in the industry, specifically in a role that requires site visits. As a follow-up to last month's episode titled Construction Diaries, Lessons Learned from SWA's Inspection and Verification Experts, Dylan asked the group if they can share some tips for the up-and-coming workforce, including how to handle intimidation and animosity in the field, how to pass the time when traveling from site to site, and some general words of wisdom as told by each guest. After listening back, I thought the group's feedback was so valuable that it justified an episode of itself. Before we dive in, we have some quick industry-related announcements. First, SWA is a proud sponsor of this year's Green Building Showcase Awards program and celebration, the premier annual event celebrating the successes of the Massachusetts Green Building community. Hosted by Built Environment Plus, a membership-based nonprofit driving the sustainable and regenerative design, construction, and operations of the built environment, this year's showcase will take place on October 27, 2022, at Harvard University's Science and Engineering Complex. This is a terrific opportunity to support the important work of Built Environment Plus while engaging key practitioners, leaders, advisors, decision makers, and other stakeholders advancing the sustainability of the built environment. Award submissions are due September 30th. Learn more at builtenvironmentplus.org slash greenbuildingshowcase. That's builtenvironmentplus.org slash greenbuildingshowcase. Next, SWA is a proud sponsor of the P3 Higher Education Summit, taking place on October 3rd and 4th in Washington, D.C. The summit examines campus infrastructure challenges faced by colleges and universities nationwide and how new approaches to procurement, risk, planning, and asset management are helping campus planners and facility managers deliver critical projects nationwide. Join over 600 college and university representatives, developers, and design-build professionals for two days of project delivery discussions and networking. Check out p3higherededucation.com to learn more and to register. Again, p3higherededucation.com to learn more and register. Opportunities for sponsorship are still available. Register today with code SWINTER for $100 off your registration. That's SWINTER, all caps, all one word, for $100 off your registration. As I mentioned, this episode is a continuation of last month's episode, so if you haven't listened, be sure to check it out. The guests are Jenny Powell, who is Building Systems Director on SWA's commissioning team based out of our New York office, Joe Andraccio, who is a senior mechanical engineer working primarily on green building certifications out of SWA's DC office, and Michael Schmidt, who is a building systems consultant on SWA's passive house team located in New York City, but serving much of the Northeast. I would like to point out that we are missing representation from an important team here at SWA whose scope includes frequent site visits, and that is our accessibility team. 
Their role in the field is equally as important because we feel that in order for a building to be sustainable, it must be accessible and equitable for all. Our accessibility team often goes above and beyond code compliance, working with project teams to improve human performance, wellness, and social participation. Stay tuned for more on this topic in future episodes. Without further ado, here's your host, Dylan Martello. Was there like any sort of like intimidation factor? Like I know from my perspective, when I first started going on construction sites and there are times where I still feel a little like out of, out of my place in terms of like saying that someone's doing something wrong, but that confidence grows over time. I I'm on the younger side, admittedly. And most, you know, a lot of people in the construction industry are older. So there's a, certainly an age gap. Um, but Jenny, from your experience, was there ever that sort of intimidation factor or did you kind of go right in and, and how have you learned to like sort of cope with, you know, just telling people, look, this is just not cutting it. This is not the right way you need to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, age, uh, was definitely a factor. I'm also five feet tall and a woman <laughs> so I didn't have uh, too much going for me in, uh, with, uh, with that, but so definitely was intimidated, very intimidated, especially initially. Um, but I think over the years I've learned to communicate in a way. And, and sometimes I do it to say something five to 10 times before it, it sinks in, but <laughs> communicating in a way that it's not accusatory. Cause I think all of our jobs mm. are telling people what they're doing is wrong, which no one wants to hear. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> um, just, I think I had, I start, I handle it now asking questions. Oh, why, why was it done this way? Um, and kind of going through the thought process and trying to figure out how could we improve upon that without just saying this is done incorrectly, this is wrong, this won't work. Um, and that's definitely helped. Um, and also being prepared for site inspections, knowing, knowing my stuff, which would allow me to gain that confidence to have a lot of these conversations. Um, but I think it's natural. I think it's really natural when you're you're just starting out in your career to get that intimidation factor. Um, it's it's tough. It's definitely a, a culture that a lot of us aren't used to um, coming from more of an office environment. But I think as people also start to start to know you and learn what you're saying, they realize we're all working in the in the same team, right. and we'll, you'll gain that respect. Right. Right. There's like a collective kind of, we're in this together. Like we're not mm -hmm. here to like, just say you're wrong, just to say you're wrong. Like there's a value to this. And, and, and I think you bring up a good point. Like you want to get their perspective. That's a really, I think a really good approach to it. Those are excellent points. I start out the conversation. I try to start out the conversation because Dylan, you were talking about like failing, you know, they can get mad at you. And Jenny was saying something about that. I try to start out the conversation with like, hey, I'm here to help us pass lead, right? Instead of starting with like, I'm the inspector and I'm gonna fail you because <laughs> nobody likes that F word, right? I try to start it out with, I'm here to help you guys, so lean on me and ask me. But ultimately, yeah, they do fail tests and you have to be like, nope, I can't, you know, this isn't gonna pass. And guys have told me they'll buy me a steak if I just pass and it's like, you gotta, you gotta hold your, you know? But um, uh, I got into the trade a little young and had a bit of a young face before I grew the facial hair during the pandemic. And, you know, <laughs> I've been kicked off the site once or twice because they didn't like me and 
said. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I mean, Dylan said some very good stuff about the industry just holding on to like how they've done things, right? You go on and you test a duct and it fails and they say something's wrong with your equipment. I've been installing like this for mm. 30 years. How many times have you had them tested? Well, never. <laughs> and the same thing happens with fans and that's uh, the new lead program. Lead Firms version four, you're required to meet all your fan flow rates, right? Exhaust and fresh air coming in and everything like that. So we're doing more testing and holding them to it. And these MEPs, even during design it starts, right? They have they say, why are you telling me I should have a larger fan if the last three projects I did with you and I've had the same fan and we haven't had a problem and I don't know why I did it. And it's like, well, in case you didn't know, those fans failed. You just didn't get the point the last three projects. They were under the flow rate. You installed a 50 CFM fan and wanted to get 50 CFM out of it. Didn't happen. You may have not heard that feedback. That's unfortunate. However, right. Right. you know, and they're like, yeah, that's what you were talking about. I've been doing it for 30 years this way. So yeah. you got to just show them, but you got to try to be on their side. And like, I don't want, I use a lot of examples because I've had a lot of experience and a lot of bad experience sometimes. So I'll use examples like we had a project where they had to rip open the soffits and seal the ductwork you know, after they clean the units. And when you <laughs> right, start right. talking <laughs> right before moving. about, yeah, when you start talking about scary situations like that, I have noticed that they're, they perk up a little bit, right? Oh, this has happened. This is yeah. a real thing. So you got to kind of make it real for them. Yeah. Well, Joe, I will say, I don't know if I can remember what you look like without facial hair. <laughs> yeah. It's been a little while. Yeah. My, so I had a, I had a daughter during the pandemic. She's never seen me without fish hair. That's something odd to think about. I've considered shaving it, but I've seen these YouTube videos where the you know the dad shaves it and the little girl starts crying. <laughs> so we'll see. But I it it honestly I have noticed a difference with just people not questioning me. Now of course some of that is the experience that you're talking about. Jenny made an excellent point where it's like when you know the subject matter and have the experience, you walk on the site and you're just more confident. Yeah. It takes time to do that. Right? And it takes time to make sure that you're saying the right thing. But the other thing that I do is make sure that I'm leaning on them to say, like, you're the expert. So if something goes wrong, okay, this is actually not how we have to meet these requirements this way. How do you think, right? Instead of me coming on saying, no, this is the way we're going to do it. It's a lot of, like Jenny was saying, you ask them questions. How do you think? You're the expert. Hey, you do this every day. What do you think is the easiest way? Because right. nine times out of 10, I can probably tell you the easiest way to fix a problem. However, if you ask their opinion, sometimes, one, it makes them more confident and makes them trust you a little bit better. But sometimes they actually have a better way to do it that you haven't seen because they're doing it day in and day out. They really are the experts. So it's just that communication, trying to get them on side, you really are on the same team out there. And the way you can start the communication with that can make a difference. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, communication is key for sure. And I think you kind of alluded to like, all right, like you probably have a better way to solve, like you probably have a better way to seal this area than I have in my brain. But here's, here's what I'm thinking, but like, let's try to figure this out together because as the observer, like, and, and I know like, Mike, I've been on site with you where we'll talk to a contractor about, let's say like a waterproofing detail of like a canopy or something or a specific location. And the contractor will say, oh, like, nope, it's, it's good. It's waterproof. I'm like, okay, all right, well, let's just take a look at it and we'll take a look and we'll see daylight coming through it. It's clearly not been sealed properly. And that's not a step that maybe the the builder is used to doing 
and inspecting with that level of detail and, and looking at every single <laughs> corner and everything. But when you kind of show them and look at it and go, look, like this is a problem. This is not, this is not acceptable. Um, it's, it's hard for, I think builders or people kind of the, the working, um, people doing this work to sort of argue when it's, when it's, evident in front of them so uh but but i think coming with that perspective of like look like how 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 do we address this what's what's your perspective on this like how can we do this and making it more of like a collective battle or, or collective charge to to fix the problem as opposed to just saying you're wrong you need to fix it do what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah, Dylan, I think that's interesting. I remember that situation too. And, you know, I think it's oftentimes that, you know, the contractor, they, they do have to see it for themselves, right? They, they have to come to their own conclusion. Like, yeah, I see, you know, I clearly see daylight. This is going to be an issue, right? And, you know, ultimately the solution is often simple. You know, you need a couple extra, you know, tubes of caulking or, or sealant. You need to, you know, seal your ductwork a, a bit better in these locations, right? You can pinpoint the problem areas. And I think oftentimes the, the contractors do, um, you know, you can work with contractors to come up with the best solution that is the easiest and, and fits, um, you know, fits a standard work practice for them. Um, and, you know, typically is not at much extra cost, right? A couple extra tubes of caulking, but the canopy won't leak, right? So, yeah. Um, it right. can be some very basic things like that. Yeah. Um, so I want to actually talk about something a little bit, sort of a different gear. Maybe I'm going to start by asking real quick. And Jenny, I'll start with you. What percentage of your time is spent on site? So out of your, let's just say 40 hours a week, how many hours or what percentage of that time are you actually in the field on site inspecting work or testing? So for the past probably about a year, it's definitely less. Okay. So I would say maybe one day every other week. Um, but I used to be anywhere from three to four days wow. a week on site. Okay. Gotcha. And Joe, how about you? So right now it can be like probably 40 plus percent of field work related items, you know, talking to raiders on site, talking to contractors about you saw the report. This is what you have to do. But actually being on site, 10 to 20 percent. OK, I'm going to come back to you, Joe. But first, Mike, how how often would you say you're on site? Yeah, I'd say I spend uh, anywhere between two and three days a week on site. Um, yeah. Conducting inspections and, and testing. So Got it. So, I mean, it's it's significant. And what I kind of want to talk about is the travel aspect of this. And coming in from a perspective, especially like we've, I think we've all been in our positions for at least a few years now, if not longer or significantly longer. And especially for like entry level people in the industry of energy consulting and inspection or accessibility consulting and inspection in, in the field side or green raiders and, and those sorts of roles, um, there's an expectation going in and there's, there's certainly, um, you know, the requirement for being on site a lot, you know, more than 50% of your job is like being in the field and yeah, no one, no project is ever close to you. Like it's very rare that a project is close to you. So travel is a thing. So how, like, <laughs> do you like traveling or do you hate it or do you just not care? <laughs> I used to, when I, when I first got into it, I had no problem with it, you know? 
yeah. I was younger and whatever. So I did a lot of podcasts or I mean, I'm sorry. I did a lot of, now I do podcasts. I'm trying, I did a lot of, um, books on tape. There was like Got LibriVox or something that was, you know, I went through a lot of books <laughs> in the, <laughs> when I was traveling for two or three hours, you can get through a lot of books a week, you know? Um, uh, I don't, I'm not a big radio guy, but when I used to travel multiple hours a day, I did a lot of books on tape and I did actually a lot of calling people. Like I was oh, really up with family and friends, honestly, and it keeps me awake mm-hmm. and it makes that connection that you realize, you know, like now I can, I just don't call my family and friends enough. Right. And it honestly offers that opportunity. Now it's during the workday, so it doesn't always work out, but I can call my mom and talk to her for a while. You know, my brother works for himself so I can call him and have a discussion. That's how I kind of pass the time. Uh, I will say when you travel for a couple hours and then you're carrying equipment on site and it's a hot day and you're sweating, make sure you're hydrated. I would like mm. pound a Red Bull and then start falling asleep on the road on the way back. It's bad. <laughs> oh, and I realized after a long period of time that like, oh, if I just chug a bottle of water before I drive, that's way better than caffeine for me. So that's one thing I'll say if people are starting out and driving, make sure you stay hydrated, please. It really does make a difference, at least for me. But uh, as of now, I don't love long um, mm. you know, faraway sites. If I have somebody else in the car with me, like Raiders and I will go out. You know, if we have something that's far away and we have to get a lot of stuff done, sometimes it's better to bring two people. You get almost twice as much done, right? Yeah. So that's always better when you have somebody there and you can chat. And Jenny does a really good job with her team about like interpersonal relationships and getting to know people. Yeah. Um, and Savoya we have that works on both teams and she has said this. So I try to make an effort to maybe even induce those opportunities to be like, okay, I'll come out with you on this site that's an hour plus away so that we can actually have this conversation. We get to have lunch together and you actually, you know, learn more about them and make that interpersonal relationship. That's important too. Mm. Yeah. There's no better way to team build than traveling with someone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it can be, you can both be really stressed out at points and, you know, we, we go out for a beer to kind of apologize to each other because we're both up at uh, four in the morning, but, um, (laughs) I do really enjoy that time that I get to spend when uh, I do go, I do travel to a job site with someone. Um, but yeah, Joe, I think I've always said, so I've done work in California and then all along the East Coast. And I enjoy that me time, that time where no one else can get in touch with you. Um, you're, you ju- you're just focused on yourself. Uh, so that's definitely been one of the positives of, of traveling for me. And also, when I would come down to DC for a project or out to California or Maine, wherever it is, you're so focused on that one project and you get to know that one project so well for that week that you're down there. Um, I feel like we're just, we're so much more productive because uh, we're not getting a ton of, we, we, we kind of say we're traveling, we're away. We don't get a ton of emails. We're focused on this project. Um, so I think, I don't know if I'll do California necessarily again, but I do still enjoy, uh, especially my trips yeah, down to DC, see Savolia, um, go grab drink, drinks with people, uh, figure out what's going on, build up the, build up the team aspect of it. Um, Cause you get to spend a lot of time together. Yeah. Uh, quick story. I know when I first, I work, um, when I first started, I went on to project sites with, with, my boss and the the head of our Passfest team, Lois, and we, you know, she's into comedy. I'm, I've always loved comedy. I I would have not like, I would have not have like thought like, yeah, like 
we're driving to a site, like, let's just listen to some stand up. <laughs> like, that's not, that would not have been my first choice. Uh, or my first, like, this is like what happens when you're traveling or whatever. But like, you never know. And like, it's just how you learn about people and you connect at a, at a level. And like, you know, I think that connection is just like, like you said, it's just traveling is like one of the best ways to like learn about people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I can't can't follow up too well to every, what everyone has already said. I think, yeah, you know, get, getting the windshield time with your, you know, with your close colleagues and, you know, being able to talk talk about the project a little bit less formally and, right. uh, you know, being able to uh, 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 connect on those levels is, is huge. And, uh, yeah, you definitely find out about, you know, people's comedy interests or music <laughs> interests or whatever they're doing or vacations that are coming up. So, uh, no, I think that's a, that's a huge uh, plus. I, I definitely end up spending a lot of time, mostly driving, um, and that's that's been one of the things that keeps me going. Right, um, I, I don't particularly mind the travel. It's just sometimes the back to back days can can be a challenge. Yep. Um, yep. And you know, early mornings, late nights, and then repeat the next day. But um, you know, I think it's uh, it, it's definitely rewarding to to be able to spend that time with with your colleagues. So, travel together. You're in this together. We're in this together. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> yes, exactly. Cool. Um, so um, kind of coming back to, um, you know, people that maybe are in school and are thinking about getting into this field and are interested in sustainability, accessibility, universal design, energy efficiency, green building certifications, any of that any of that field and maybe don't want an office job. Like they don't want to work in the office. They want to get out. They, they like traveling or they want to be hands-on boots on the ground, get their hands dirty, you know, for people that are just getting into the industry and want to be in that, that field side, it's really helpful to hear perspectives from people that have been there and done this for a while. Would, would you have any specific words of wisdom, words of advice, and maybe, um, you know, let's make this fun and interesting, like 15 words or less. What, what would be your word of advice? And we can take some time here to like figure it. We'll do like a Jeopardy style where like you have to like, they go to commercial and you think about it and we come back in a minute or two. <laughs> and if you can't do it in 15 words or less, that's fine. <laughs> There's no repercussions, but that's just a challenge. <laughs> well, I was going to say, try to get an internship in the field okay. because, and I know this might not be exactly what you're looking for, but we have had a lot of interns go in the field with us and say, you know what? I thought this is what I wanted. This isn't for me. Mm, Some interns right. absolutely love it. And you know, they're here the next year, but I think that is an important thing to, to try out and get in as early as possible. Um, so if, if, you're in school and um, you think this might be something you're interested in, I would highly, highly suggest getting an internship and, and getting on site as ASAP. That's, that's great. Thanks, Jenny. You can, I can really lead into this one. So uh, I actually, when I was still studying undergrad, I had interned with, with Stephen Winter Associates. Um, I was, I was working mostly on a Raider side and not with passive else projects, um, but I was getting in the field a lot. I was doing a lot of inspections and testing. And, you know, I think that 
that um, was an invaluable experience to me and really did guide me on my path uh, to, where, to where I am now. You know, several years later, I can look back and say um, that that internship was, you know, fundamental in me growing and developing my career uh, in this industry. And I actually interned twice for Stephen Winter Associates. And then, you know, I, I kind of found my niche. I, I saw what, you know, folks like Dylan were doing on the Passive House team and the projects that you all were working on. And um, I, I knew there was an opportunity for more field work and performance testing and verification. Um, and I, I got in with the Passive House group um, through my connections through that internship. So I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with what Jenny had already said. Um, and if, if I were to add anything for, for a new grad yeah. or, or someone who's just getting into this field um if you if you want to learn every day if you want to learn something new every day i I think you know being in the field getting on site seeing things come together and how projects are sequenced and constructed um that that will be an invaluable experience you can take that any direction you may be exhausted like i've been on site five days a week like joe was mentioning you might be exhausted but you learn so much right away and it's, you can't trade that experience. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So they didn't do 15 words, so you know I'm not going to. Well, I have a summary. I mean, the, the shorter version is like, it, as everyone has been saying, right? Experience is really what where you learn, right? The hands-on. And think about it this way. When you step on site, everybody that you talk to does whatever they're doing for a living. They're experts in that. Just like Jenny was saying from like when we first started talking, ask questions. Do not be afraid to ask questions. You are not dumb mm-hmm. if you ask questions. I continue learning and I try to drive this into uh, the Raiders that I work with is like, you do not need to know everything, right? Don't feel right. like if you don't know something, oh no, I'm not doing my job right. You're never gonna know everything. This guy does plumbing day in, day out. You're not gonna know what he knows. Absolutely ask questions, right? And the other thing is just, I mean, for the fieldwork aspect, I did a co-op. I was able to do a co-op, which was awesome uh, during college before. Um, I was hired full-time, so I knew that it was kind of something I was very interested in. Um, I've talked with many people that we have hired and during the interview process about, like, if you don't, you know, I had a mechanical engineering degree, and there's a lot of mechanical engineers that just sit in front of the computer all day. I knew I couldn't do that, so I liked the aspect of getting out. And then I realized from getting out, my first year was was not a lot of field work at all. And I did a lot of plan reviews and energy models and stuff like that. And I thought I was learning a ton, but just like Dylan said, when you step out on the site, you just, things start clicking and you realize, oh, that's why and how and this and that, right? So it's just getting on site, you learn so much more. And the last thing is just how broad. So I work with green programs and there's things with stormwater and there's things with water savings on site and there's things with air barrier and there's things with, you know, Anything you can think of, it's such a broad thing, like building a building on a site with landscaping and roofing and windows and air sealing and insulation. There's so many things to think about that you will never know everything. So what I tell the people that I'm interviewing with is like, they're like, where can I go after this? And I'm like, honestly, this is just a beautiful, perfect foundation for you. If you're going to be in the industry, you can get so much experience with so much stuff that you learn what you like and sometimes more importantly, what you don't like, but you're going to experience so many different things and be able to talk to so many different people who are experts in their respective field that like, you're just going to kind of know more about yourself, what you like and don't like, and have so much experience as a foundation that you can kind of decide better instead of I've done energy models day in, day out. And that's what I know. And I'm not sure if I like something else. This is like, 
you know, talk to a GC about what he does, and it's it's a, a broad understanding, and these are complex projects, and it makes it more interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> and I kind of love that you you said that because that's kind of where I, my brain was at too. Is that like I I I wrote down here like, and this might be very blunt, but like, look, you don't have to do this forever, right? You can use this, and I think you kind of frame it in even more like kind of uh insightful way that like this could be your way to like learn about what you actually like and are interested in and if you find that like you get involved doing site inspections particularly particularly joe like from your perspective um where you're looking at a lot of different aspects of a project you're looking at the site like landscaping you're looking at architectural air sealing you're looking at air sealing of the exterior you're looking at air sealing of the interior and in apartments you're looking at mechanical systems it may not be to the level that jenny and the commissioning team is looking at but you're at least getting that first-hand experience and you're exposed to so many different aspects of the field and you might not know at the age of 22 or whatever when you're entering the field or even you know age you know could be highly variable um in this industry um you may not know exactly what you want and this could be actually a really great opportunity to understand where you might want to go and might want to focus on like you might start out inspecting a lot of different aspects of a building and realize wow i love just how mechanical systems work and make buildings function well like and and then you might actually decide I want to go kind of get a career in the commissioning field and, and work with, with systems on a more regular basis. Um, so like not feeling like you're locked into what you're doing forever. Like if you feel like, you know, you are more passionate about a certain area, not being afraid to like say that and be upfront with your employer. I would imagine that in many cases, most employers would be willing to listen and be willing to work with you and probably have an opportunity that if it doesn't already exist, they might create that position for you because there's a reason you're working for that company. So yeah, I, I really like that. And I think uh, maybe we we definitely said more than 15 words each, but each one could be summarized in like less than 10 words, I would say. So I'll <laughs> to recap here, I have get an internship. Um, it will be an invaluable experience. Don't be afraid to say you don't know something or you need to check. Um, you don't have to do this forever, which was mine. Ask questions, right? It's kind of coming back to like saying you don't know. And there's so many things that you could be exposed to. So, you know, there's maybe an opportunity there to like kind of find out where your calling might be or what you might enjoy doing. So I think that's all really great pieces of advice. I think that's, that's awesome. Thank you for listening. For more info, check out the show notes at swinter.com slash podcast. That's swinter.com slash podcast. Buildings and Beyond is brought to you by Stephen Winter Associates. Our goal is to improve the built environment. If you're on a similar mission, consider checking out our careers page. We currently have over 15 openings across our DC, New York, CT, and Boston offices. If you have ideas for episodes, suggestions for guests, or just general feedback about the Buildings and Beyond podcast, we would love to hear it. You can get in touch by emailing podcast at swinter.com. That's podcast at swinter.com. Thanks.